Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them too, there's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello, everybody. Hello. And welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast and live stream exploring fantasy flight games' Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. In this episode, we are responding to some very real questions that you, meaning the real listeners of the show, have sent us. And giving some recommendations on some cool other stuff. Arkham adjacent things, right? We're, uh, we're all about interaction. You know, we're all about giving people what they want. Uh, we're all about providing solutions for people so i think that's i think that's what we're going to try to do today i feel like that was like an ad word for word from like at&t or something no it didn't include mentioning to like and subscribe that's cool. oh, that's true. Everyone that's adds, true. you know i think that goes without saying yeah. click, click the little bell the jingling the bell, bell the bell is critical sometimes yeah. uh, it depends on the mood of youtube so uh. all right do we just want to jump right in then yeah, let's uh, let's answer some questions. For some, some reason, burning questions. So I'm going to read the from... questions. You guys wouldn't let me read them ahead of time for some reason, so <laughs> I'm just going to dive right in. So this one is uh, MR Crew. I have some friends who are new to the game and aren't sure what to get between Dunwich Legacy and the Patch Carcosa. Which should they get first? How should they decide what to buy in the future? This is from asking for a friend at bmail.biz. Hmm. It's definitely one of the best ISPs out there. Um, is the Carcosa are the Car- are the Carcosa boxes out yet, or is the, do those come out like soon? I don't. I think they just came out, or at least the the investigators I think came out in March, and the campaign is either out or coming out very soon. Yeah, I think that's right. I I, I honestly haven't been uh, keeping track of it because you know I bought the original five years ago or whatever, so. Are, uh, are we also should like should we assume that you, you know when these originally came out you sort of had to buy the campaign cards and the player cards at the same time because they were yeah. you know kind of evenly distributed in the packs True. obviously that's no longer the case if you wanted you could buy the dunwich player cards and the carcosa campaign or something like that mm. should we assume that people are still going to buy them together or should we sort of just do each each separately I don't. I. I mean, I think people that die hardcore into Arkham will probably try to buy them together. But maybe someone that still hasn't fully committed to the game might want to just buy one of the one of the products, like either the the cards or another campaign or something. So, because I, I think on the campaign side of things, it's sort of easy because we talk a lot about how great Carcosa is. That's like one of the, our favorite campaigns, mm-hmm. and Dunwich is you know it's a pretty good intro campaign for newer people, but it's not as interesting these days. Like it's sort of was created before they developed a lot of the fun stuff that they would later add. So from a campaign perspective, I would say, unless you're like, unless you're sure that you're going to play through everything in order, I would probably go straight to Carcosa. Does that sound right? Yeah. I mean, when I introduce people to the game that, uh, and that like it, I still kind of do everything in order because Dunwich helps enforce the, the basic rule foundations a lot. Um, yeah. but Carcosa is definitely just the, the more fun experience. I, I don't know if there's like, because you didn't, if you don't experience Dunwich, then you don't realize how fantastic a leap of Carcosa is, but, uh, you know, you still, you probably played the devourer below, so you probably 
<laughs> could probably understand. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's kind of like the question you have to ask if you're like recommending a TV show to somebody. Do you recommend that they start with like season one, episode one and watch the whole thing, even if you know that like the first season isn't that good? Or do you recommend like, you know what? I'm worried that if you start with season one, you'll kind of like you won't think it's that cool and you'll skip it before you get to the really good stuff. So I would recommend starting with season two or three. Like it's it's sort of like that question, right? Like if you know someone's eventually going to play everything, then sure, start with Dunwich. But if there's any doubt, like if you if there's a chance that it would make more sense for people to go straight for the good stuff, then I'd say go to Carcosa. Yeah, that's probably a good way to evaluate it because Dunwich, like Ben said, is a good jumping off point for newer players where it's not quite as complex or doing like weird things every scenario. Cutting Yard Corsa kind of very much kind of has different themes and, and things going on all at once. Um, for me, the Dunwich Legacy is like a regular cat. It's very good. It checks all the boxes. But Carcosa is what? like the little what you, cat. What are the boxes the that you have room. for a cat? <laughs> <laughs> it's a cat. It's it good. Meows? They're they're enjoyable to be around. They're fluffy. Mm. They mm. meow sometimes, and it's cute. But sometimes there will be a cat in the corner of the room that looks like a little gremlin, and it may or may not like either maul the shit out of you or be the best cat ever, and really like. That one is just always the one to go for if you really want to have a great time. That's the I'm, cat I'm gonna, you pick. <laughs> the cat that I, might kill you. I'm going to side with yes. Ben on this one in the sense that this entire analogy did not at all help me to understand what we're talking about, and in fact made it a lot worse. Uh, but maybe maybe some of our list maybe asking for a friend at bmail.biz found it helpful. Yes. Um, so so we've been talking about the campaign. For the player cards, I mean, I, I don't know. I think Dane might have some thoughts about this. For me, it's sort of like all the can- all the boxes have really good cards in them. So if you know that like this is the exact deck I want to play, then it makes sense to buy the box that has the cards you need. But if you're if you're not laser focused on one deck, I kind of think it's just like eventually you want to buy all of them, so the order doesn't matter as much. I don't know. What do you think, Dane? No, yeah, totally, totally that sentiment. Just kind of try and get everything. But if you have to, if you're just going like from the core set or just from the core set and uh, the the starter packs, um, it's kind of a toss up because Dunwich has some really core cards. It's hard for me to separate myself from the way that we started playing, which was you know like upon release, core set Dunwich happened. So it's hard to pull myself away from decks with like. For example, Shortcut and Peter Sylvester and Strange Solution and all that stuff that like feels like classic Arkham experience. Yeah. Versus Dun or uh, Carcosa, which also has some like super super big staples in cards like uh, Border Protection Level Two. Right? Like those things. Like Logical Reasoning is also a pretty good card, and it's like it's hard to say one over the other. It, it really is just like maybe the best thing to point to is the investigators that come in the packs. Because they're kind of a main drawing point, right? They're they're who you're going to experience the game through. So in Carcosa, you've got like Mark, which is one of the best, most like strongest investigators in the game. Um, you've got Min, who's really fun and dynamic. You have, um, you know, other investigators who are good. <laughs> uh, famously, Dane's favorite investigator, Min, who Dane has had so much fun playing in the past. <laughs> I mean, Akachi's in there, and she's like a very straightforward, like asset-based mystic. Um, which, you know, can be kind of shows off like the power that a, a mystic can have without being too complicated. I, 
I don't know. It's like, like some of them are harder to play than others. So it's depending if you want like the the more challenging deck building. Like you can you can try to play Lola if you really want to challenge yourself. Um, but you know even even like Mark is like he's very powerful, but you have to like think about how to build his deck and like how to play him each turn to maximize his power. So that can be fun. Versus like Akachi, who's like you know you just play assets and uh, she gets extra charges, so it's it's more straightforward. And you can maybe right. throw in some weird cards for like events or whatever to, to spice stuff up. Uh, I forget who else is in <laughs> who else is in Carcosa. Uh, who's a rogue? Oh, Safina. Yeah, yeah, Safina. Yes, I mean Safina is definitely interesting. I, Safina's one that I feel like uh, you need a, like a bigger card pool uh, than what is offered in Carcosa yeah. or Dunwich to really uh, see how how well she can do. Uh, I think that's true. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It, it is. But, a, w- but uh, six investigators in Cargosa. <laughs> uh, does Ashkel and Duke both in come in Cargosa? No, that, that's that's Dunwich. Sorry, sorry, five and a half. <laughs> uh, no, Ashkel Pete is in uh, Dunwich. So, I mean, if you're playing solo versus multiplayer, that also I guess is something to consider because, um, like some of the investigators, like Je- Jenny and like Ashkel and Pete, are very popular solo investigators because they kind of like have well-rounded that's skills. True. Um, but we don't like them as much in multiplayer because we kind of feel like they they don't shine as well when they're uh, compared against people that can like really focus on something. So that's something to consider too. Like if you if you want maybe more a better better solo options, I think the Dunwich investigators are maybe a little bit more powerful there. One uh, one last thing to mention because we should definitely move on is uh, I think if you don't have the new core set, then maybe there's a slightly stronger argument for Dunwich because there are a lot of sort of essential cards in there. But in the new core set, they put some of the most popular sort of fund- fundamental Dunwich cards into the new core set. So um, if you still have the old core set, maybe there's like a slightly better argument for getting the Dunwich player cards first. But if you have the newer core set, it probably is like a toss-up. Yeah. I mean, another thing is, I mean, Edge of the Earth is also available too. Uh, I mean, asking for a friend didn't ask about Edge of the Earth, but uh, should you consider getting one of these two expansions or the cards before Edge of the Earth? Or is Edge of the Earth like a fine first pickup given the choice i think if you're new to the game i would recommend either of these before edge of the earth i mean edge of the earth is great but it is the stuff is a little bit weirder it's a little bit more complicated maybe like i I think Mm -hmm. this is a better starting point but you know you you could do it it wouldn't be that bad even the card types are a little atypical right they've got the uh, multi-class cards and then in the campaign side it's like you you have a very different campaign than all of the other campaigns are going to offer yeah i mean these ones are all are very, these ones are both like basically linear right um yeah. there's the carcosa you start to see some like branching path sort of but you're still doing the scenarios one to one to eight basically so uh and yeah edge of the earth is definitely more complex there so i don't know it didn't sound like we had a final decision uh, we you know I, I think we gave some pretty good non-committal advice i hope hopefully that'll be helpful to uh to this person All right. um, should we should we move on to the next one though all right, sure. So the next question is, uh, my cardboard chits got wet, and I have an inordinate amount of money to spend. What do you use to bling out your Arkham Horror chits from Mister Moneybags two eight eight, or perhaps two hundred eighty eight? Um, I I was confused about this too. I was not familiar with the word chits used this way, but apparently that's a thing. It. I mean, it's vaguely familiar to me as in as in that's some type of board game component, but I don't ever say it. So I don't know. Maybe this is a 
uh, a term from outside of New England or or United States or something. I don't know. Dane, do you know what a a, a chit is? Am I pronouncing it correctly? Is yeah. it pronounced kit? Is it or... <laughs> okay? There was a um, back when I lived on the East Coast, the, the like Connecticut wide game folks who gathered together at different stores were called chits and giggles. So. That's how fun. you know it's very, a very thing. fun. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel like board game places love to use the word meeple whenever they can. So yeah, I think the, this is sort of kind the of the club like that. I was in in college was like the cardboard and meeple offensive or something like that. Sounds <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Okay. So this question about uh, extra swag, which uh, we often spend our extra money on, right? <laughs> Yeah, it, it's definitely, like, the cardboard tokens that come with the things are fine, but if you spend enough hours in the game, eventually you just kind of want to get some cooler-looking stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, yes. So we, I think Dane and I both have various combinations of the Team Covenant acrylic tokens, which are pretty good. Um, they make uh, health and sanity tokens, clues, resources, um, doom, stuff like that. They do different doom for each of the cycles, which is kind of neat. I don't have those, but Dane does. Um, yeah. So that's like that's kind of like a one-stop shop that has most things, except very annoyingly, they do not make chaos tokens, which is the thing that I've complained about for like years. Yes. I mean, chaos tokens are the thing that I had the highest priority to swap in, just because you have them in the bag, you're touching them a lot, and you're mixing them around, so they get they get beat up much faster than I think all, any of the. They, they literally like wear out to the point where you, it's hard to read them, like you know, oh, yeah. pretty pretty yeah. frequently. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess actually that's that's not totally true. Obviously, I get card sleeves for all of my cards <laughs> before. That was the first uh, investment uh, so that the cards are protected. But yeah, the Chaos Tokens, uh, I have the Orbits, or Orbits, um, I'm not sure how to say it, but Tokens, um, which are kind of like... Uh, I don't know, I don't know what the word... They're, 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 not, they're, not, they're, they're, like, they're like printed circuit board material, yeah. like which is... But, but yeah, they, you yeah. know, they, they don't look like that, really. They look just kind of like interesting tokens yeah. yeah they i like the designs in some of them um there was like it was like a couple waves of them before they kind of finalized the designs but they're very hardy i think a lot of people get them and put them in coin cases but i haven't bothered because they they don't seem to really scratch and i can't really they, they have a little bit of a like a bump on them like i guess if you dug your hand in the bag for a long time you might be able to like feel each token and be like oh this is the elder sign, but you know, I just don't do that. So, so, uh, you know, I just spin around and, and they make like a, uh, they mix up very easily. Uh, and they are the same size as the, uh, original cardboard tokens. So I like those a lot. And, uh, I have a couple other things from orbits, but, uh, Dane, what do you have for chaos tokens? I use, um, these tokens from, uh, used to be called Drax tokens, but I'm pretty sure it's now vampire tokens. Um, which same same people, but they make these awesome little tokens that are actually smaller than the traditional like chaos tokens, which are like what the size of like a half dollar or a quarter or something like that, somewhere between that. And like these ones are like the the circumference of like a dime, but okay. they have like a little sort of like bubble on top, which is like a uh, like a glass, um, uh like a glass covering and then on the back there's like a nice little like metal coating um and they're one-sided so 
they look really nice when they're down on the board, like sealed or something like that. Or um, if somebody wants to dramatically flip them, they can like kind of, you know, if you're doing it like a weird olive thing, Harrison did this. <laughs> so, and, mm. and for the gym, the gym trumpet solo, um, <laughs> you can like draw five face down and then you slowly flip them one at a time. So I just like them. I like them. They make a little nice little clinking sound in the bag and stuff. Um, but what what is notable about Ben's tokens should be that the, he does not use a chaos bag, uh, which is what most folks who play this game do. He uses the patented Ben Chaos Cup. I do. I do have a, it's bowl, a little. It's, it's like a little tiny bowl. I don't remember where I got <laughs> it from, but you know, I they all the, my tokens all fit in there, and I spin them around pretty easily. Although, actually, did I get? The, I I'm constantly trying to find a chaos bag um to, to I have that's a, actually cool or like a goblet or something that's like spooky i have uh, one that i like um which i thought i got it from etsy but then i just went to look at my like etsy purchases page to see if i could find the link and it wasn't there so i think i might have ordered it from some like other etsy like store but it's sort of like um it's like brown sort of like suede almost on the outside and it's this sort of like a cloth sort of like night sky starry fabric on the inside it has a little drawstring it's pretty cool i i, I like that a lot um so i you can definitely find cool stuff like that i agree that finding some kind of like cool um you know goblet or some kind of like really cool looking spooky thing would be really neat i i also have the orbits tokens they're kind of cool i would say i'm still in the market for like my dream is for someone to make really cool like metal coin tokens or like wooden tokens maybe i think that could be really neat i would love to get some of those but i'm i'm fine using the orbits ones i think i've seen wooden ones the thing the problem with the wooden ones i think is you have to cut into them a lot more to or or they're just painted and that might be easier yeah. to tell, like what when you well, even, the bag but I did a little bit of looking around and I found there's places where you can order kind of like wooden coins as like a promo thing or if you're running like a carnival or whatever and you can get whatever you want etched into them mm. um but you have to order like hundreds of them and yeah. honestly they they didn't look all that cool like it was kind of neat but I think my the ideal thing I would love would be to find kind of either like ancient egyptian coins or like 1920s style american coins or something like that but that have the chaos tokens on them i don't know maybe, maybe someday somebody will make something like that i don't know the other reason i like the orbits tokens is uh the orbits person was ready to go immediately upon release uh for both insmith and edge of the earth for the new tokens there so i had them available and i could immediately use them i didn't have to revert back to the old tokens and they also did like custom like elder sign and auto fail tokens for a couple of the campaigns although i only they're like limited release so i only got the uh forgotten age ones which fe- features snakes on them so it makes that <laughs> that is a really good point though because if you buy chaos tokens like the regular ones from someplace if they don't have like i mean frost tokens okay like if you're not play, at least you could still use them if you're not playing edge of the earth but mm. if they don't have like bless and curse tokens and then just somebody in your group is playing you know uh, faustine bargain or something you basically can't use those tokens, right? right. So like, right. And, and who knows if they're going to like introduce new tokens in the next campaign or the one after that. So it like, that's a, a selling point for kind of ones with a known track record, like orbits where like they are pretty popular and you know that they are going to keep making whatever else comes out. So totally. yeah. The other thing that we should mention though, we don't have it here. Uh, and I do have some, our uh, location connectors. Um, mm. oh, sometimes yeah, those are cool. not huge, like hugely important. But sometimes there are there have been like these uh, scenarios with these huge maps or maps with like like five different connectors and it's not exactly apparent what is going to be where. So those really really help out in those circumstances where you're like I have no idea how to how to represent 
or how to remember that these are connected to each other. So yeah. I know that um, I think Orbitz has has some location connectors. Or- Am I right? Or- I know that Drax Orbitz has, has some. I don't, the ones I have, I don't think I got them from Orbitz. I think it was before Orbitz existed. They're like two inches long. They're just like double sided arrows. They're actually like a little bit made up like like a hard plastic and yeah. They're double-sided, I think, so you can flip it over to have, like, a one-directional thing. They're actually a little bit bigger than I kind of want uh, these days because there's a lot so, there's a lot, some scenarios that have a lot of locations, and I don't want to, like, have two inches of space <laughs> necessarily for the yeah, locations. I only, yeah. I only have so much table space. So, I think like, they're the same ones. Uh, sure. I feel like... By, by the same token? They, that might like, be it. I think I, thought, I have I, th- I I have the orbits ones and yeah I, I agree that some type of like direction indicator thing is definitely a pretty good thing to have. Um, and another thing I would mention just briefly, Ben and I I think kind of roll our eyes at this, but Dane has I would say about fifty or sixty different types of three D printed tokens to represent like individual <laughs> things like bullets or charges on a purple spell versus like charges on a green spell versus like uh, magnifying glass. I, I don't know. Like Dane has like a charges, you can all the little 3d printed things. You can get like anything you want, which they yeah. are kind of cool. Honestly, like it's not that they're not cool. It's just that like, I would hate to have to keep track of all of them because I'm very lazy, but if you're into that kind of stuff, you can definitely look around on Etsy or whatever and find a bunch of those. Yeah. I, I do like them. It's more of a, a transport, uh exactly. commitment yeah. if i feel like oh well i gotta bring this these specific tokens that i might not actually use type of thing for me but um you know so then already when has d- to bring like 50 minis around everywhere which those that's the real premium s <laughs> tier oh. token like it's also impossible to buy at this point but like that's the really good shit you know yeah ffg released it was probably like 10 10 years ago now maybe uh maybe a little bit less but they had a line of investigator miniatures for like that came out like when arkham second edition was like their main game so they released like 48 miniatures for all those investigators and at some point i collected them all uh, i think i got most of them for like two dollars when the store was going out of business or something uh or, or having some sale uh but uh they're very nice because they, they stick out on the table the downside of using the miniatures is um you can't like flip them over to indicate your turns over uh, which i know i think a lot of people do like about like a, a, a some type of character token but i've seen people like make like pog type things out of the cards that they can like flip over there's also yeah. are many uh, several different 3d printer options i've seen that there's like a, a stylized like silhouette for each investigator um uh i don't know what it's called uh, but there there's a couple of cool things i don't know we can throw links on the on the blog if we think of them but uh and then also I, i've definitely been that original 48 is less than the number of investigators in Arkham Horror, the card game. Uh, so I definitely got a couple of Hero Forge miniatures thrown in there to, to, to fill in the missing ones, uh, which are definitely pricey, but, you know, I like them. They're cool. There's um, also, yeah. uh, speaking of investigators, so somebody somewhere made like a spreadsheet explaining um, how to make like a Lego minifigure for each of the investigators, like oh, which, no which, which parts oh, to track yeah. down. And it, there's really nothing I would I would rather even have that than the like official minis that Ben has as cool as those are. But it's just it's an incredibly difficult and expensive and time consuming thing to like track down all the little individual Lego parts that were only released in like one kit in two thousand nine to like make all of those. So I don't know. Maybe someday I'll try to do that. But uh, yeah, it sounds like I, the ultimate the ultimate Lego Arkham quest for you, Dan. You could you yeah could be well, towards. What we need to do is, like, these days, they always, like, LEGO has this thing where you can, like, submit things and people can vote on them, and the ones that get the most votes, like, might become official kits. 
And people always do stuff like, oh, I made the car from Ghostbusters or whatever. It's like, I don't think there's enough Arkham Lego heads to ever get like an official Arkham <laughs> Lego set made, but that would definitely save me a lot of time if we could somehow get that to happen. So maybe maybe we should get to work on it. The last thing I wanted to mention, as far as investigator minis go, uh, we met a uh, cool person at, at Arkham Knights last year who has a shop called Arkham Fantasy, who makes these oh, yeah. really cool little 16-bit mm-hmm. like mini mini cards um, that come with like little standees. They, they sometimes come with them and they sometimes don't. I don't remember what the status of them is on, on their shop right now, but super, super cool, like retro sort of gamey type uh, investigators that are all like very, very well made, like cool, mm. well shaded and, and all that kind of stuff. So if you're into that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're all, uh, they all, them the, they distinctly capture each investigator, even though there's, you know, <laughs> it's just like 12 different colored squares or whatever. <laughs> so yeah. Or, or oh, 16 yeah, bit. The, the, the Mansions of Madness uh, minis are also an option too. Yeah, but uh, is Mansions it, of Madness is, is not is not cheap. Uh, I think Mansions of Madness is dead. They kill uh, it. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if I don't know if there was an official like, oh, we're done with Mansions of Madness type thing, but uh, it has it hasn't had a new thing in like three years. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, those were an option. I I did buy. I think some of the Mansions of Madness to just to get the miniatures, but. You know, I was, at some point I was like, eh, I'm not actually playing Mansions of Madness very much, so stopped, <laughs> stopped buying the expansions. But Fair. there, are, there are some decent components in there. The thing, the the thing with the monster minis that come with Mansions of Madness, and also were part of the original line, is they have like really weird bases, because the bases were designed for like the Arkham the Second Edition, oh, yeah. like little square tokens to like slide into them or something. So yeah. they're all they all these like really awkward bases that are like way too big to like use in the card <laughs> game properly, or or really in the original Arkham game. <laughs> so but you know whatever uh yeah i mean uh do i have a last thing oh i i uh victory displays are things i see people have a lot uh i think i got some little i have some little like art art easel things that you can just like put the cards the act and the gender on like things that victory display but um there was a really cool kind of like art deco city one that a bunch of people had at arkham Mm -hmm. nights last year that was pretty cool oh really yeah Oh. Yeah, lots of cool swag out there. You know, if anybody has cool swag we didn't mention, you know, shoot a link in the comments or on our Discord. So, all right, uh, next question. All right, what? Uh, greetings from Candyland, sickos. Your recent investigator tier list episode made me so mad I had to call an ambulance to take me to a pet hospital for rabies treatment. Now I owe thousands of dollars in medical debt. This isn't a question, but I'm going to come to each of your homes with a golf club and swing it around in front of your front lawn until you die somehow. Excelsior. Wow. Cyber Kyle. What what is this? That's very aggressive <laughs> from Cyber Kyle here. I <laughs> You know, when you put yourself out there on the internet, inevitably some people are gonna have a negative reaction to it. And I think that's what's happening here. Um uh... Does that does that sound right? I guess if you're so. an artist, they always say to never like listen to your critics or something like that. Is that yeah, right? I think that's so what people like, say. Never, never start paying attention to yourself because it's a hole that you're never you're never gonna crawl out of or whatever. <laughs> well, just just to pivot away from this a little bit, I think we did see a couple of much more polite and reasonable comments of people that disagreed with our our tier rankings, right? I think. Yeah. I remember somebody saying, or I think at least a couple of people on the Discord were surprised that we put Marie so low. And that's sort of fair that, like, I've never actually played her. I think Dane was the only one that had played her and, and was was had a very negative experience. 
Um, and and similarly, I think somebody recently mentioned that they thought Norman should be higher. Like Norman is actually really good. Yeah, we 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 did not we didn't put all the seekers in S tier, and some people were pitching like, <laughs> why why did you do that? What's wrong? <laughs> why are they yeah, all people, people are saying you guys don't like seekers enough. You really need to like rank them higher. I mean, I mean the uh, other thing was that we we had Gloria, I think, at A tier, and like Luke was hovering somewhere around there too. I thought people we put were Gloria like, in S. No, Gloria was S. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Because like I, I think somebody said Luke should be an S or something like that because we put him in A. We weren't quite sure. I haven't played him too too much. I mean, um, he he can break but, the game sometimes, yeah. Oh, yeah. but but I don't know if it's not nearly as much as like Gloria can break the game by completely Luke. neutering the deck in counter deck. Luke. Luke feels to me like a very high skill cap kind of deck. Like I, I could imagine it being like S tier if you're like a brain genius and you know you really know that deck inside and out. I could see it being like an S tier deck. Yeah. yeah, if you're really if you're really top top level brain genius. Playing guides and netrunning, it's just like you have a million different triggers and like you have a tome next to you for all the different. As playing playing that... Geist was not that hard. Let's just like use up all your breakers and make a trillion dollars and then win. That's all you really had to do. Fair. Hope, hope they don't have uh, whatever the thing is that like removes your whole graveyard. Yeah, <laughs> sure. All right, we're gonna move on from this, or do you want to hard commit to whatever we there... put Diana, Diana in? We put her in D tier or something. I don't remember. Were, were there any yeah, other? Were there, belong there. were there any other like reasonable objections or disagreements with our? Uh, other... I mean, there definitely were, were were quite a few. Like, you know, we haven't played every investigator a hundred times, right? It's all kind of based on our subjective experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the other suggestion I think I saw was that. Um, we didn't maybe didn't consider some of the high tier combos that you could do as much. I think the one, one was pointed out was Ancient Covenant, which we did recently evaluate in the uh, uh, Binders Trials episode a couple a couple episodes ago, and I think that didn't get sealed in Dane's uh, card box prison forever. So, but it yeah, yeah, it's it was like, uh, could you rank some of these things higher? But we're we're trying to relate them all in relation to each other. And how how quickly they can pace through the game and and succeed at getting clues and whatever and I don't know that there are good yeah. combos in other classes but I think at least in multiplayer seekers kind of shine very highly at, at getting clues quickly so like like that one in particular I mean that that you know we talked about it on the binder trials like it does seem stronger than we gave it credit for but anything that just kind of helps you pass some tests on command is going to be better in solo than it is in like mm-hmm. a three or four player game. Yeah. So I, I think we, I, I don't totally, I, I, I still kind of feel the same way that I felt when we were first, when we were first ranking the investigators in the sense that like, I don't think ancient covenant really pushes anybody up or down that much. Yeah. Sure. All right. Well, well, let's, let's move on to the last question. Uh, so this is uh Hey, MER Pals. As y'all know, I keep all my Arkham Horror cards in a giant kitchen trash bag that also contains Nintendo DS games, root vegetables, and shaving cream. <laughs> the system works perfectly for me, but everyone is different. How do you all store and organize your Arkham card collections? Uh, this is from just one name, like Madonna, Colin. Oh, this uh, is from this is from our good friend Colin that we we played Arkham with for for years. It's not just uh, on his license, it's just, there's no last name, it's just Colin. <laughs> just like Madonna. Probably, yeah. Well, I mean, you guys have a lot of hard, you guys have a lot of difficulty pronouncing his, his last name, and there's been some discussion about that in the past, so maybe <laughs> that's maybe funny. that's why he left it off, just to save you guys some trouble. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, everybody has their own system, right? And, you know... Uh, I know I I tend to use. Do you guys know those like white cardboard BCW boxes that hold like 
they make them for all different sizes of mm-hmm. number of cards they hold from like 100 up to i think like 800 for the single row ones and then they also make like double row ones yeah um i mean i just have like one of those for each campaign and then i have a couple others for like the standalones and things like that and then i have i think right now i have two for player cards like as the number of player cards has grown uh it's kind of finally at the point where like i need two giant full ones for all the player cards and i'll be very annoyed soon when i have to have like a third one because at the moment i think one of them is all the level zero cards and one of them is all the higher level cards yeah um they're pretty cheap too right yeah they're they're very cheap in there well it's one of these things where like you you either buy them at your local store for like a pretty big markup or like sometimes you can get them on amazon you can get a good deal on like 10 of them but um they don't look very fancy but they they seal up pretty tight and you can like put them in a backpack or a suitcase or something which is nice and you can write on them to label you can write on them Although, with a sharpie to if you put them in a suitcase the tsa will definitely pull them out of your suitcase and touch all their cards with something literally cards with 100 percent of the time yeah uh, unless you it, unless you take the initiative and take them out of your suitcase first and just let them scan it that's the only way well, I and, the, to dodge and, then, and then they'll think you're trying to drugs. bomb the airport yeah, yeah, I mean the, the the thing you have to understand is that for TSA like uh boxes of cards for TSA agents, it's like glowy, glittery things for cats or whatever. It's like if they see it, it's just they're just like, oh, what's that? Oh, I have to touch it. You know, it's they just can't help themselves. So you gotta watch out for that if you're going through an airport. They're like, oh, you're not a terrorist. You're just a nerd. I see. <laughs> And yeah, then they close exactly. it, and everybody else is kind of yeah. They at you. they People usually look pretty upset after they've realized this as well. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, damn it! I thought I thought I was going to get promoted for catching the worst terrorist of all time with the, the dumbest looking bomb of all time, and instead I just found some nerd with a bunch of cards. They got their hand on the radio, their hand on the pepper spray. They're ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so they're for already me, thinking like yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I, when I initially started, I did try to organize everything in bind, like binders with like you know nine pa- nine sleeve card pages. Uh, I did that for a little while. I eventually gave up on that because it was way too hard to keep things organized and like yeah. pulling cards in and out of that was just very slow. So I eventually copied uh, mostly copied what Dan does, which is the uh, BCW boxes, the white boxes. Uh, but I do like keep the return to boxes and put a whole campaign in there once that comes out i'm very concerned they're just going to stop doing the return twos at some point uh which they definitely could do that anytime because they're, they're really not an actual necessary product other than <laughs> i like the box <laughs> um but uh uh but i like those because they kind of look like little i like the style and they they they're they contain the whole campaign relatively easily uh, there's a little bit of extra space in them which isn't ideal but sometimes i put extra tokens in there and they look nice because they show the you know, they show like the campaign art and stuff on them, but uh, yeah, yeah. look like little flat cabinets. Yeah, uh, which I'm not utilizing at all, but I have some of them, you know, sitting behind me. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, usually easy enough to transport. Uh, TSA still opens them up and looks through them all. Um, <laughs> so, and my player cards, yeah, rough, roughly organized the same as Dan. I have them like by class, level and class, uh, in a couple of those boxes. So. But uh, Dane has something much more elaborate based on these pictures he has here. Yeah. So Harrison would... gifted me these these chests, um, which are these big filing cabinets with these like little drawers that are actually like perfectly suited to one entire class. So from front to back, you can see kind of in the left or the right image there, there's like survivors level zero cards just kind of all all kind of in there and then there's survivor level one to five cards like behind them and they're perfectly like at least at this time perfectly compact if any more cards are released then 
I'm going to have to, like, reorganize literally everything and find an entire new way to, like, add more rows for the classes. But for now, it's perfect. There's one for all our, our scenario stuff, our campaigns, and there's so, one for all the cards. So, Dane, are you the one that's actually rooting against FFG, announcing whatever the next product is, because it's going to destroy your organizational system? I, are you, I know are that the company you... as fast as possible. <laughs> okay, I'm just making sure you're not sending out negative vibes about uh, the announcement. <laughs> no, I would, I, would, I would rather my, my sorting need to be, uh, you know, reimagined for like four hours rather than uh, us to not have more Arkham material, please. All right, good. I feel like just four make... hours is a pretty conservative estimate for, uh, I, I think if you have to totally redo the whole thing, it might be a lot more than that, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, whenever I have to reorganize my Arkham cards, it's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's an yeah, afternoon, it's, it's afternoon at least. So, uh, yeah, any, any other uh, thoughts on, on storage or suggestions? Didn't you have an elaborate suitcase at some point you carried stuff around a day? And did the collection outgrow that? Oh, the mythical suitcase. So I used to have one of those like black suitcases that businessmen would carry around in like Doing you business? Know, the sixties or seventies or whatever. Yes, businessmen. Yeah, very, very. Uh, you know, um, business box official. Yeah. yeah, it was it was the Arkham business box. But around the time of like halfway through the Forgotten Age, a little bit more than that. It was just too much, but it would perfectly fit those the little um, BCW boxes that Dan was talking about. And for traveling, I just have to use those because every single one of the cards that I have in my collection is sleeved, which is not something that that, that I think Dan does. I think most people won't spend like double the money on the sleeves, but I was already I, in too deep. I, <laughs> I, oh, to, to kept going. I, I sleeve all the campaign cards, which is sort of expensive, but it's like, yeah. it, if I had to sleeve up a campaign before playing it, I would just never play any campaigns because it just takes too long. So, um, but I, I don't keep the player cards sleeved except for like promos and rare things. I just sleeve individual decks. Um, one last thing to say about the BCW boxes is they are kind of perfectly sized so that, um, you know, those sort of like banking or file cardboard boxes that you can get like a pack of 10 at, at, at staples for packing like books and things one thing that's cool is that they're kind of the bcw boxes are perfectly sized the 800 card ones that you can fit like three of those in a row in one of those big banker boxes or like four if you turn them sideways so you can basically like fill up an entire banker box with those 800 card bcw boxes so uh you know maybe maybe not as useful for this game but if you collect say magical cards uh it's kind mm -hmm. of a handy kind of a handy way to do that Eric. I don't know if we want to get people hooked on multiple card games, Dan. Uh, it's dangerous, dangerous times. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Well, I think that was all for questions. Um, I think the second half of the show, we kind of wanted to talk about some Arkham-related, uh, or semi-Arkham-adjacent, at least, uh, media that we enjoy, that we were going to recommend. Was that the plan? Yeah, just sort of like some stuff that we've been doing or enjoying recently that we think other people who play Arkham Horror the card game or similar games might uh, might appreciate. Uh, and I think the the first thing is a, a a little a little video game that Dan and I have been playing quite a bit. Uh, you might have heard of this. It's called Elden Ring, right? Yeah, maybe. I'm not really sure if if too many people are on the uh, Elden Ring train quite yet. It's it's kind of it's kind of pointless to recommend it because I think it sold like twelve million copies in the first week and it like did really really well. Oh yeah, yeah. we've, we've been trying selling yeah. game in, in history, I think, or something like that. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's nowhere near like the Call of Duty games and stuff or Grand Theft Auto, but like for a very weird Japanese game, I think it no one expected it to do anywhere near this well. So that's a pretty cool. Obscure game. 
<laughs> yeah, we've we've also we've been trying to get Ben to play it, so maybe maybe he will at some point. I don't know. Um, I mean, I mean it, it's real at some point. I'm not sure my current computer can actually handle it. Um, yeah, which and I don't yeah, have a PS4 and, it, and Xbox, and the Switch. It's not on the Switch because obviously the Switch can't handle it. So yeah, and and what I've heard is I think the PS4 and Xbox One versions of it aren't really very good, and they're no. just a lot. They don't look very good. So you kind of really want to either have a relatively decent PC or like one of the new consoles, I think. Here's another uh, or... thing on PS4, and it's pretty fine. Okay. It's just like it doesn't have the the super clean quality that the the PCs have. Here, I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll hold up a copy of it for people, sort of like on a like like it's on a, a on, copy, like like on a talk show, like on uh, you know the the Tonight Show or whatever. People sure, like, sure. hold up a copy of the album. So here it is, Elden Ring. Um, hey really fun game i mean it's it's basically like the the easy like pat comparison is like dark souls meets breath of the wild but it pretty much kind of is that right it's mm-hmm. like a big open kind of zelda style world that you can explore and you ride a horse around um only it has i mean breath of the wild is fun but like the combat i would say is a lot more interesting in this and it's a true it's just, sandbox right it it's a lot weirder like um it, there's just it, it it's very like every individual part of it that you kind of like dive into you can just find a lot of weird stuff going on um i've beaten like i've basically done kind of the first two areas and the first two dungeons um both of which were excellent so i really enjoyed that and uh yeah i'm really looking forward to playing the rest of it yeah it's like a very very true if you just ride in a direction you will find adventure <laughs> like it and, and it will be different from another thing it, it's um, going to be a little bit it's it's not going to be quite adventure in the same way as in like zelda where it's usually something relatively like brightly colored and kind of like kid appropriate sure. it's a little bit more like dark and weird and like gross but like mostly a giant crab that wants to pound you into a dust right? yeah like you know there's a lot of like weird giant zombie monsters made out of a bunch of dead bodies or whatever but in a cool way you know like it's yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, everything wants to kill you, basically. Oh, yeah. yeah. But and, in, a, in a cool, fun way. <laughs> and 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 like all the other from software games, part of the fun of it is the kind of uh the kind of like interaction with other players. Like it's it's not really like a multiplayer game and you're you're mostly playing alone, but you can through a comp through an overly complicated process, other people can like join your game either to invade you or to help you or to help you out. And you can also leave messages uh, that other people could read. And there's kind of a whole weird subculture of like funny messages people leave that can be kind of fun if you're playing it. So uh, really, really, really good game. I mean, everyone's already talking about how great it is. So we're not really breaking any new ground here. But like, right. it, it really is as good as people say. And what yeah, I've seen from it. Crappy. Yeah, from what I've seen from it, like so one of the coolest things is like the creature design is like really unique. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, is there are there Lovecraftian vibes? I know previous from software games had some Lovecraftian stuff. Or is no, it just, think, it's just I, this weird I think nonsense. so. Not not as much as like Bloodborne, but um, definitely definitely a bit of that. So, yeah. Oh yeah. There, there's some cosmic weirdness going on in it. Plus, you got those. I don't even know what they are on the on the right side of the screen. <laughs> these these weird whale orca looking all, dudes. I don't know. All of them. All of the FromSoft games do have their own kind of like weird sense of humor. Sometimes that sense of humor is like, wouldn't it be funny if there was like a rock that fell on you and killed you right at the end of this thing? And like, there was no way to know about it. And and it, that is very funny. But also there's just kind of, uh, I don't know. I think they, they have like a very subtle sense of humor that's kind of fun. Totally. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, what's what's the next thing we want to recommend to people? So this one's a board game, which I haven't played um 
appears to have boats approaching an island on the cover, and also maybe some type of water elementals flying above the island. Is this an Avatar: The Last Airbender game? That would uh, it would be cool oh, if it was. It would be cooler if it was an Avatar James Cameron uh, Avatar kind of game. That would, would it? Oh, no. Would it be cooler? <laughs> no. <laughs> that movie's pretty it's good. Like, you guys should it's watch like that an animated now. Pocahontas. Dan, how excited are you for those Avatar by James Cameron sequels? All like twelve of them. I am legit excited to see those. Okay, I'm going to take a brief detour from the stuff that we are we're supposed to talk about to briefly <laughs> say that I saw two movies this week. I saw the Michael Bay film Ambulance, which is one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had in a movie theater. Uh, oh, and it was it, it was incredible. Came out like Great. no one went no one went and saw, it, but it was incredible. And I also saw the Daniels film Everything Everywhere All at Once, which was very oh, very very good as well. That, that latter one incredible. That latter one I've been <laughs> yeah. wanting to see. Uh, I heard very good things. They they are both good, but if I could if I had to go back in time and only see one of them, it would, I would probably pick Ambulance. Hmm. It's it's just like cop cars crashing into each other for an hour and a half. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Like Wait, it was what? What it, does that have to do with James Cameron's Avatar, though? Well, I, I think what I was originally going to say was like, oh yeah, you're making fun of the you're making fun of Avatar, but Avatar is better than literally every Marvel movie. And then I was then I, that just kind of got me excited to talk about other movies. So <laughs> Not I bar again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, anyway. but, but t- tell us tell us about spirit island date i have this game i invited people over to play it they started reading through the manual and they were like oh wow this seems so complicated maybe we should and then we ended up playing mario kart instead so <laughs> yeah. well, the, well the complexity went from like five thousand to about 11 so uh this game spirit island we recommend it because it is another cooperative game uh except there's a twist. You are not just investigators fighting off the, the mythos and all the spooky, you know, happenings. You are the spirits of an island who are fighting off the colonialists who are trying to instill, like, capitalism and, like, cheeseburgers and gross stuff on your island. You want to keep the island pristine and pure. Um, no as cheeseburgers. Different spirits. No cheeseburgers. <laughs> None of them. We don't want Dairy Queen. We don't we, want Dasani. Is- is there a way that we could maybe have like the cheeseburgers and a little bit of the Dairy Queen, but keep like the rest of the island pristine and have like mostly untouched wilderness, but like still a little bit of cheeseburgers, just one well, McDonald's? Like, could I'm there, glad, could, I'm there, glad you asked. Could could there be like a god of cheeseburgers, like Ronald McDonald, who like is, but in in like a good way, who's like one of the gods of the island? So there are an expansion pack. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That that would be down the line. That would be for like the new gods of of the island yeah. or whatever. But for now, we have these these spirits who you play very similar to like um, IDs and Netrunner or uh, I don't what are they uh, investigators uh, in Arkham Horror the card game. Um, you kind of embody them, and all of them sort of do different things. You could be the spirit of like the rivers, who you know uh, is really good with rivers and wetlands, and you could be like this giant lightning phoenix who just rains lightning down on horrible people so all of them do different things um and eventually you end up with a board where if you're if your mom came in she would have no idea what's happening on this board other than that there's like seven million pieces on on the kitchen table of god knows what and uh you know just nobody knows what's going on until you've actually played it it's a longer game so expect like three hours but it's great. It it's truly a great experience to play. Um, there's sort of like elements of deck building in it. There's there's elements of um, 
of uh, not like work, maybe like worker placementy sort of type stuff, but it's an all around great game. It's been I, on I top think that, of board game geek forever. I think that's kind of what really is interesting to me about it is um, just the idea that you could have a game that kind of uh, you know satisfies some of the same urges as Arkham Horror, like a co op sort of card game. But that is maybe like a little bit more approachable. Maybe there's a little bit less like setup. Maybe there's like a little bit, you know, maybe you can play it with like slightly younger kids because it's not as like a horror y. Um, all of that sounds really cool. So, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I picked up a copy. I'm definitely excited to, to give it a try. Yeah, it's one of those games where once you've played it once, you, it just kind of clicks because it's sort of like auto, half of the game is automated. Essentially. The art, the art also seems really cool. Uh, that's, I, I think that's like a big part of the draw for me for board games is that it like just looks fun and looks neat. And this definitely does. Yeah. It, it also has my favorite, uh, name of any card in any game, uh, which is surprise tigers. I feel like Wuk 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 is better because Wuk 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 is pe- is penguinese for surprise penguins. But I agree <laughs> that Surprise Tigers is pretty good. Ben, fly uh, fly to San Francisco. Let's play Spirit Island. Let's do it. I'll do it, I'll no. do it at some at, at some point maybe. Right. I don't know. Dane, Dane's trying to get me to Denver so I can do this legendary Meow Wolf thing that you guys have been raving about for. Um, ever. I went to the Santa Fe Meow Wolf again last week. It's pretty good. I know. Because I happen to it's have true. Spirit Island and the expansions and the uh, the. The cool uh, chips but, that come in. Hey, do you do you even have the custom Dairy Queen expansion, Dane? Because that's the <laughs> one that I'm most excited to play. Okay, that's great. No, I, I do not have that. I have a question. Is there a Meow Wolf in Seattle? There's no. not. It's ah, uh, Santa Fe, Denver, and um, Vegas. Las Vegas at the moment. They're gonna. I think they're gonna open more. Because I want to go to Seattle also for the Arkham Horror. Um, I mean, the, I think the, the good news, there, but... yeah, we got it. We, we we definitely should do that. I mean, the good news is Santa Fe and Vegas are both very fun places to go for a weekend, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure Denver is too. I just haven't been there. Yeah, well, we'll we'll, mark, we'll, we'll make a trip of it at some point. Anything else you guys wanted to uh, say about uh, Spirit Island? Well, let's move on. All right, uh, this next thing. I don't know what this is. This picture of a gray thing and two squares interlocked together. Dane, can you explain? Yes. So this is a... um, It's like a music collective, uh, and they go by the name Cryo Chamber. And Cryo Chamber has... They've been around for a pretty long time. They they, uh, kind of do most of their production and and put up most of their music through Bandcamp. Um, But... They have a lot of albums um, that are sort of like dark metal and ambient metal and drone. Um, there's a lot of like darker. It, it's meant to be ambient and to last for a longer time. And uh, a lot of the themes happen to be uh, from Lovecraft's lore, like Yogg-Sothoth, all the old ones, the great old ones. Um, and it's just a lot of people who like horror <laughs> who just kind of hang out and make cool metal music, cool ambient metal music. And um, this is what I've listened to when I play Arkham Horror a lot, because it just kind of can perfectly sets the, the creepy, dark atmosphere without having, like, you know, words necessarily or, or kind of doing any of that stuff. Um, it just has a great dark tone for all the despair and horror that you'll be feeling in Arkham Horror. I like that uh, even just the sort of like sigils that are the logos on these album covers really look like they could be like chaos tokens or something. Like it's the same kind of. Uh, oh, yeah, aesthetic, you're right. I think. Yeah, this is so sorry. This is cryo chamber. One word. That's right. 
Okay, yeah, and we can we can put like the Bandcamp link on the in the show notes or something. That's definitely pretty cool. I mean, I'm I'm typically a little bit more of a fan of like, uh, you know, yes, we have no bananas, and uh, you know, kind of like a fun 1920s pop music for playing Arkham. But I, I can see if you're like in the right kind of mood for it, this could be really neat. Yeah, and it's actually funny. I reached out to them a while ago to just be like, hey, if we wanted to use your like music to introduce what, or like in the intro to one of our you know live streams or something like that, do we have your permission to do so? And the person was like, hey, sure. What kind of podcast is it? And I was like, well, it's it's for this game that you've probably never heard of, Arkham Horror, the card game. And they were like, well, yeah, we've played that before. It's a pretty oh, neat cool. game. Nice. <laughs> So, so of course, yeah, you know, so, I mean, I guess I could have expected it, right? They have, they have literally all the pantheon of all of Lovecraft's Elder Gods here. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely, really cool. definitely good, good folks to uh, support. They got yeah. And, really and, and as with any like band or musician, uh, you know, if, if there's any band or music that you're into, uh, buying it on Bandcamp is usually way, way better for them financially than like streaming it. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, stream it to check it out if you want, but if you're really into it, it's always fun to like, uh, you know, buy something and actually make sure the band gets something out of it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and if you're like me and and Dan and love to be like a little treasure goblin or like pack rat and have the like the physical possessions in your hands, mm-hmm. they make gorgeous like big LPs and just even just CDs. Um, the you can kind of see the the cover art on them on on like Castor and Yaxipas, for example. Um, they have these really in-depth like books that have all these different glyphs and sigils in them, and and you know like lyrics if there are any credits and things like that. It's really they're really that, beautiful. That is very cool. But you know this is this is a game set in the 1920s. Can you get this music on a wax cylinder? Because that's I think that's what would be the most authentic. We, if it's we might have to reach out to them for that. <laughs> okay, maybe yeah, maybe they can work on that. I mean, I know I buy stuff on Bandcamp on mini discs sometimes. So if that exists, you should definitely be able to buy some stuff on a wax cylinder. Well, uh, yeah. okay. So, is there what, anything else you want to recommend? Uh, well, there's another good. slide here. <laughs> yeah, we do have one more slide. Uh, I think this is a movie classic, right? That we talk about a lot. I mean, yeah. we so Ben and I watched this with Colin um, this pre, this past December. So it's relatively new to us, but I think it kind of colonized all of our brains pretty rapidly, and uh, we it, it was a really special experience. Um, ben, do you want to do you want to tell people the title of this movie and maybe briefly what what it's about? Yeah, what is this? so? I don't know if I could explain what it's about uh, concisely, <laughs> but the movie is called "Don't Let the River Beast Get You!" Exclamation point! And the yeah. dot on the exclamation point is a little hand. So you know, it's it's you know reaching out reaching out for it. Um, so the you know, tagline the tagline part, is of course uh, <laughs> the tagline is of course uh, <laughs> he's the most Oh, I can't pronounce this. Indecorous. In, indecorous aquatic menace of all time. Uh, so this is a uh, a 2012 uh, horror comedy. It was 2012. I think. It, it's, oh yeah. Oh it's yeah. Def- it's definitely a parody. I think of uh, of like 1950s or 60s horror movies. But uh, I think we found it because it was filmed in like Manchester, New Hampshire. We're like, oh yeah, that's, exactly. It was that's... filmed in filmed in a small city about ten minutes away from where I grew up uh, in in southern really? New Hampshire. Yeah, and it it looks like it too. Like you don't really realize when you see a movie that's not shot in like Greater LA or uh, Vancouver or like the two or three other places where it's economically viable to like shoot big movies. It's yeah. just always like, oh man, I forgot that there's houses that look like that. I forgot that the trees look like that. <laughs> that was really fun for me. Um, 
yeah, I mean, that, that was just one part of what's so great about it. But yeah, it's it, it was a really fun movie. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Ben. Go ahead. No, it's all right. Um, yeah, so I mean, the con- the pr- plot of the movie is there's a river beast. Yeah. And it's trying to get people. And, well, that is, the, yeah. and the protagonists are trying to not let it get them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like a it's like a monster of the week. Like in terms of Arkham Horror, you could compare it to like Curse of the Ruguru or something kind of like it, that. It definitely had the vibe of like uh, the main characters were being investigators and fumbling their way through uh, trying exactly. to <laughs> try to yeah, solve it, a, a weird random mystery, a weird ta- little tiny town. It, so. it, it really does map pretty well onto the kind of like narrative structure of like a investigation into the into the paranormal in like a small New England town. Like that's kind of why it we thought it would be a really good match for people that like Arkham Horror. I'm surprised that like the whole Innsmouth thing hasn't come up because this very much right? looks like it. Like like yeah, like, uh huh, uh huh. Type. I mean, I mean, the Innsmouth thing is all about the ocean, and this is, you know, a river beast, but it's, you know, it's kind of okay. similar. That's also fair. So, I guess the, my next question is: I, I see that it 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 didn't do too well on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, so my Dane, question here is: that appears to okay, be based off of a, a single review, though, Dane. It, yeah. Okay. I well, I have to I have to say something about this. So, first of all, the to, the tomato meter, the, Rotten Tomatoes is bullshit. Okay, they don't they wouldn't know a good movie if it like pooped on their face. Like it's. It's, it's it's a bunch of crap. What kind of credentials do you need to review stuff on Rotten Tomatoes? Nothing. Uh, if you look on Letterboxd, which is, you know, the real cinema aficionado's website, this movie does pretty well. Um, it's it's really good. I, I, I just want to clarify for anybody that, that's maybe a little bit curious about this. This is not like a intentionally bad movie. It's a intentionally weird kind of goofy movie that is like very well made on basically a budget of zero dollars. Um, but it doesn't, you know, it, 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 looks fine. Like it sounds fine. Like you can, it's not like they don't know what they're doing with cameras and stuff. Cause they definitely do, but it's basically just like, what if they made a kind of intentionally goofy horror movie starring a bunch of like ordinary people from New Hampshire and with like a very weird and unique sense of humor. Like that's kind of the best way I can explain it. Um, it's also, if anyone's interested, it is streaming for free on basically like the weird streaming services that are like free. So not like Netflix or whatever, but you can watch it on, I think like Plex. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is really good though. I really, I I can't recommend it enough. And the, the guys that made this, the kind of, there's a, 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 just a group of kind of like indie movie people in New Hampshire that, that make movies. Um, they made a bunch of other movies too, that are very good. So if you like this, there's a whole cluster of other movies to check out too and also just like with the previous thing i'll hold up a physical copy of it Ooh. wow you really committed to oh it, my God. We, yeah how many copies did you buy it's after we watched it on tubi or whatever uh only one but uh i mean if they ever make a 4k of it i'll buy the 4k too but uh, at the moment at the moment i just have this blu-ray so I mean, look at this. Like is it, was that digitally yeah, recolored? Yeah. The the river beast looks like he's more vibrant in that. Uh, that, that is one. true. Yeah, yeah. How many people have they cramped? Wait a second. He hold that up again. What's the bottom of that look like with the <laughs> the, with the sunglasses? Uh, the, oh, it looks like <laughs> You got you to crank up the saturation a little bit so that it looks good. I mean, look, your average Joe that walks into a Walmart and is looking at the Blu-ray section, they're trying to decide what to buy. Their hand is going back and forth between like, oh, should I buy, uh, should I buy Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings or should I buy Don't Let the River Beast Get You? And look, one of these movies is clearly way better than the other one, right? And it's, and it's River Beast. But, yeah, yeah, you know, you, yeah. you, the, the, the cover has to entice people to make the right choice. That's why it's colored a little bit greener on this cover. 
Yeah, yeah. So this is more along the lines of like a classic monster B movie than like uh, uh, Why So's The Room, right? Where the director was like so so incredibly exactly. Yeah, it's <laughs> this is if if the Why is the the room is like a is like a, a car accident that's kind of fascinating, but like also just like gross and kind of makes you feel bad. This is like good vibes only. Like you will you will feel great after watching this movie. <laughs> I love that in in the the thing that we we got from the splash here. Uh, they put the little sticker horror on it just to make sure that you know. Just to yeah. make sure that after you've seen it, you know that it's horror that you're getting into. They don't have to put that on the card game that we all play because it has horror right in the title, so it would be yeah. redundant, right? Yeah. But with this movie, it just says, don't let the river beast get you. If it didn't have the horror sticker, you might think that it means, like, don't let the river beast get you a nice birthday present or something, you know? So it's <laughs> the horror sticker really just clarifies that. Do you think that they had to, like, have whoever was wearing the suit like wear it in one take and they just only filmed on one day because they just couldn't afford like taking the suit off and then like, you know, having him put back on. Here's my, here's my suggestion is that you should watch this movie because I think that you, I think you might have a better sense of how the suit works and what they can and can't do while wearing the suit. uh, If you watch the movie. Uh, All right. Well, I think think that's enough for today. Uh, You gotta end up the pie of the river beast. Thirty-eight yes. percent. That's such bullshit. Like, come it's, on. I mean, Dan, Dan, can't you just go make a review around tomatoes and there yeah, two reviews do. and you could double its rating? <laughs> just be like or, ten or, out of ten. You have to be careful. I think for some reason I'm not a tomato licensed uh, movie critic. Although obviously that should be rectified. That that doesn't feel right to me. So I don't know. <laughs> It was like the crab movie they made in the Lock and Key Netflix show. Oh, did anybody watch that? I, I was kind of like curious about the Lock and Key Netflix show. That's that's another one. I along think it's with so the by it's so by list today. Oh, Archive eighty eight, very good. I've I've never I've never heard of Lock and Key. Uh, I've never heard of this thing called Netflix. I don't know anything about it. Here's all I have to say. I'm pretty sure there's literally nothing on Netflix that's as good as this movie. You gotta you gotta get on Tubi for the really good shit. That's just how the world works, or Plex or whatever. <laughs> That's where all the indie gems lie. <laughs> oh, well, man. before we sign off, uh, a bit of MUR news. Um, ben and I are going to be live tomorrow, uh, Friday, April 22nd, 2022. Continue uh, the uh, Call of the Plague Bearer campaign, which is a uh, fan-made campaign. Um, and we're actually going to be doing it with the team uh, of Mateo and Zoe. Um, in addition, since the last episode, we've joined up uh, to fight alongside the folks in the Mythos Busters' homebrew play-along, um, which is a thing that everybody they do. Um, I don't know what the next one is, but this one kind of just started. Um, so we're pretty excited to play, it al- play along with them. Um, I know that they also have one for the actual official campaigns, and they actually just started a couple weeks ago, I think, um, The Circle Undone. So if you're interested in those kinds of things, go and check those out. Um, but otherwise... How do you all store your collections? Are you going to be watching Don't Let the River Beast Get You anytime soon? Have you checked out Elden Ring yet? Let us know. Send us uh, an email over at comments at mur.fm or chat with us on Discord. Uh, to stay current on what we're doing, follow us on social media. You can find our links over at social.mur.fm. Or if you're in the uh, Twitch chat, you can type uh, exclamation point socials. If you really enjoy what we do and want to get more involved, uh, you can become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash University Radio, or just leave us a nice review on your favorite co- podcasting source. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for being here tonight with us uh, on Twitch. And we'll catch you next time.
Bye, everybody. Bye. See you, folks. And don't let the river bees get you. <laughs>